Good morning to each one of you. I greet you in the name of Jesus. It is good to be together this morning, this beautiful fall day, to worship God. The year was 1990, May, thir- May 31st, 1990, and Marion and I lived on the farm. We're farming, and a vehicle drove in the driveway, and, and a fellow gets out, and he's selling aerial photos of properties, and he was supposedly a pilot flying around taking pictures, and you know, my dad had some pictures of the farm from years before and what have you, and so he's showing me samples of the pictures he has and was encouraging me to buy a photograph of the farm from him, and I, I forget all the details, but I know we agreed on, on uh, $125 for a photograph, and that I paid a down payment of $62.50, had the receipt, and uh, he was going to deliver me this photograph. So two things really stood out to me. He drove a really big car. I forget what it was, but it was gigantic. And he was a very tall individual. Just two things that stood out to me. Well, months went around, and I never got the photograph. He never, never brought it, never mailed it or anything. And so I dig out my receipt, and, well, there's a phone number. Uh, Ron Caress, Swiftwater PA, and so I call the phone number, and, oh, this phone number's been disconnected. Uh, okay, I can see how this works. So I, I realized this is probably never going to happen, and it didn't. But somewhere, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years later, guy drives in the driveway, same farm, same, same guy, gets out of a car. It's a different car this time, but I see this tall individual. I, I think I know this guy. He's like, hey, selling area photographs and gives me his sales spiel again, and I said, well, okay. I said, well, hang on, I gotta go in the house. I got something to show you. I went and got the receipt. Said, "Uh, do you remember this? Oh, I do, and he said, I knew, I lost it. I lost the information. I knew there was a farm in this area that I I knew this happened. Uh, This has been bothering me. I've been looking for you for years, and I'm, I'm so thankful I drove in here today, and, uh, you know, I'll take care of this. And I said, well, I said, I'll tell you what, how about you just give me the 6250 back and we'll be friends and just call it, call it a day, you know. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't do that to you. No, I wouldn't think of doing it. I'm going to deliver what I promised you I'm going to deliver and on and on. And I said, well, yeah, whatever. But I said, the, the phone number's disconnected. Well, I'll write and he wrote a new phone number on for me and what have you and and I uh, said, so, well, but just, just so you know, I want my 6250 back. I don't really care about the photograph. Nope, nope, I will deliver. And he drove out of my lane. And I have never seen him since that I'm aware of. <laughs> Gone. So that was back in 1990. And a lot of things have, have happened since 1990. I think of that sometimes when I go through my typical week. The typical week in my life involves, uh, just a typical day involves about six spam phone calls, and I have them go right to voicemail now, and usually they don't leave a voicemail. Occasionally they do, but it's just common, just spam, spam, spam. And, of course, with the Internet, things have evolved into something really big, and I feel like we're at a totally different level today than we were in 1990. I feel like I can't go through uh, sometimes not even a day, much less a week, without being confronted with uh, some kind of 
and they even come up with all these new terms today. Back in 1990, I wouldn't have known what spam was. Maybe I knew what a scam was, but spam, scams, phishing, spoofing, farming, and the list goes on and on of all these things that especially are used on the internet to scam people. And another very common thing, practically every week, I just get this last week or maybe two weeks ago, uh, get an email, McAfee, your subscription for 435 was just taken from your credit card, la da 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 and if you don't agree with this, call this number. Well, I don't even have McAfee. I get them from Norton. I get them from them. I get them all the time. And it's all a, a ripoff. It's a scam. You call them, and they're going to want your personal information, I'm assuming. And they're going to somehow, their goal is to relieve you of some of your hard-earned money is what the, what the end result is. And so there's just all kinds of things like that. Open this email attachment and just you name it. It's out there. Sometimes I feel like I'm walking in a swamp. Sometimes it's like, is this legit? I look at it. Do I really? Oh, no, this this got to be a spam. And and I delete it, especially as I delete it. And I think, but what if that, you know, I really am a customer of theirs. Is this for real? And I'm always just, yeah, I feel like I'm walking in a swamp. But even in, even in real life and not, you get off the Internet and there's uh we live in a house that's over 30 years old and the roof is shot and the windows were bad. And so just looking around for, for a new roof and new windows, I was just appalled at some of the, some of the people that the, the schemes they run selling things today is, is uh, Tony said it very well in, in Sunday school. He said, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And when, when people come and they offer you this, this uh, first of all, when, when they say this is the absolute best, there's nothing, you won't buy a better roof than this. We're the only people that have this really good roof. Beware. And then they say, oh, this will just cost you so much a month. And your payments won't start for a year or half a year or whatever, you know. And the same with, with windows. I was amazed. We... Uh, our house has tan windows, and so we were kind of limited to companies we could buy from to get tan windows. And I just Googled a little bit, looking for windows online, and suddenly I had seemed like about 500 window salesmen on the phone and emailing me and, and, and begging to come and sell me, sell me windows. And same way, uh, yeah, you don't have to pay us anything for a year, and we got the absolute best. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Be very, very careful. One of the things that, that bothers, that irritates me about it all, the world, and it's the world in which we live, is that I tend to be a trusting person. I just want to trust people. I don't, I don't want to be this suspicious person that's always out there, you know, what, was this guy trying to take me across or what have you? But it's, it's crazy. It's like, it's just getting so bad. Recently, and just probably a month or two ago, Nate and Joe were with us on a Sunday afternoon, and, and I told Nate, I bought, a new, I bought another vehicle, a used one, and uh, showed him a picture of it, and I, it was, came, I saw it on Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace, and I, I looked at it a little closer, and right away I'm on a website for a used car dealer in Lynchburg, Virginia. Sounds like a nice town to me, Lynchburg, Virginia. And it's, it's even had a picture of the car lot, and it's right behind a Baptist church. What could go wrong here? 
and we'll deliver it. And uh, two week, no questions asked, money back guarantee. And a really nice website, all kinds of vehicles. They had uh, the pictures of this vehicle. They must have had 30 or 40 pictures of it. I mean, under, underneath and it's pictures like really, really good pictures. It's like, I mean, the pictures are that great. It's crazy for me to drive six hours to look at it, but maybe I should. I don't know. And I, I told the guy on a Friday, I think I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And he said, okay, wire me the money. We'll get, get the information to you on Monday and what have you. And then I'm thinking about it over the weekend, did some research, and discovered it's a scam. The whole website was an absolute scam. And just amazing. It was like, I, yeah, people have taken this, this thing to a, to a whole new level that I wasn't aware of. And if you don't, yeah, takes takes a, a little bit of, of research to discover it sometimes, but just amazing the lengths that people will go to to rip somebody off. Uh, China Bibles to China uh, was in the news not too long ago. Christian Aid Ministries lost probably millions of dollars because of a some guy scamming a Christian organization and saying he's he's getting Bibles into China, and it's seemingly all a scam, and he's now in some tropical island somewheres, and yeah, FBI and what have you is looking for him. Just a sad world in which we live. And the, the question I, I ponder sometimes when I think of all this, and I challenge people sometimes when they try to scam me, I share the gospel with them and say, you know, you don't have to live like this. You must be miserable. How do you sleep at night? And I ponder and I think, how, how can they sleep at night? What motivates them to live like they're living? And the truth is, I believe that it is rooted in Satan. And Satan is working out his scheme through fallen mankind. And there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that says, we are not ignorant of his devices. And he, Satan has a lot of devices. He's using people to, to uh, implement his devices, and yet we have to be so careful to what's going on in this world in which we live. I've entitled the message this morning, and you can turn to Luke chapter 16. I've entitled the message, Satan's Subtle Scheme. Satan's Subtle Scheme, and we're going to Luke 16 for a text. Satan's subtle scheme, the word, the word subtle, some synonyms to mean it to the word subtle are refined, elusive, indirect, or understated. And the word scam simply means some synonyms to that are ripoff, cheat, trick, or con. And I believe that scams have been around uh, since the very beginning, since the fall there in the garden where Eve for the, for the, fell for the very first scam when Satan came to Eve. He comes in the form of a serpent, and he says, you won't die, you'll be like God. Scamming her, deceiving her, and, and ripping her off, ripping the whole mankind off because she fell and it affected all of us. We have here in, in Luke chapter 16, I want to use the first 13 verses, we have here the story of the unrighteous steward. And let's read the first 13 verses, and I'll make some comments on this account. Chapter 16, and we're in Luke. 
And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. I feel like it's dark up here this morning. I guess it is on. The, this, this account, the gist of, the, of this story is we, we have here a shrewd rich man, and he has a shrewd, maybe even shrewder, dishonest steward that was looking out for himself to a, to a degree that the man never even thought of. And he was impressed, and he, he commends his... Uh, Stuart for it and it's rather an amazing story as as you look at it and think about all the the implications of it and so when I think about this I think about this uh, this rich man being impressed with the wickedness of his unjust Stuart he's like he's he's like I never even thought of this and he commends him for it it's amazing to think of uh, a few months ago we were over at Joe and Nate's, and, and the children were out driving around on the driveway. And I see out the window, and I see this, I, like, what am I seeing? This is crazy. Here goes this big wheel, trike, and my grandson Boaz is driving it. And in the, in the back wheels, he had car tires that without rims, and they were, like, setting in the, in the trike tires. And so as he's driving down the driveway, these tires are, like, up to his head about. And these big tires are going like this. And he's sitting down. It looked like a real hot rod. I'm like, what is that? And, oh, well, this is probably Henry's invention. And Boaz is out there peddling this thing on the driveway. And I, was, I, I looked at it. I was amazed. And I thought, you know, I, I thought I thought of everything as a child. And I, I never thought of doing that. Never. Never entered my mind. And I was kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't try that as a child. And I, I 
teased Boaz about it, and he said, well, it pedals really hard. But yeah, it looked pretty awesome. Anyways, so that, that's kind of what we have here with this rich steward. He's like, I can't believe I never thought of this. And he's like, you, and he ends up commending him. When you think of, of Satan's subtle scam, his, and you look at this unjust steward here, and it, I, this is my, my message title this morning, Satan's Subtle Scam. And, and this unjust steward is carrying out the scam that Satan present. He presented it to Eve, and he presents it to so many people today, and to you and I as well. And his subtle scam is, it has two parts to it. The first part is defy authority, and look out for yourself. Look out for yourself. Don't worry about other people. You just look out for yourself. Defy authority. Defy God. In the case of this unjust steward, it's defy your, def, defy your boss. Defy him. And just do what's, what's making provision for yourself. Look out for yourself. Me first. Eve in the garden. And then Cain, who slew his brother Abel, because he was unhappy and with him, and, and Satan comes to Cain and says, look out for yourself. You're, you're, this is, you're in a miserable situation here. God likes Abel's sacrifice better than yours. Get rid of him. Kill him. And so down through, down through history, defy authority, look out for yourself, and it, it, it def- flies right in the face of the greatest commandment, You remember the rich young ruler, I believe it was, came to Jesus and says, uh, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says, what? That we're to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And then the second commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself. And so that is the first and the greatest commandment and Satan's subtle scheme is so opposite, just totally opposite of it. Satan's subtle scheme is defy authority, look out for yourself. And it is alive and well today. It's rooted in Satan. Read Isaiah 14, where we have the account of Satan's fall from heaven. And you read that, that account, and Lucifer said, says in that account, I will do this. I will do that. I, I, I. It's all about himself, and he's defying God and defying God's authority over him as a created angel. And he defies that authority, and it's all about himself, and he ends up being tossed out of heaven uh, because of it and becomes Satan. And Satan goes after, and he comes to you and I as well today, tempting us, defy authority, and look out for yourself. And that is totally contradicts the the teachings of the Bible. In this account, in Luke chapter 16, we have, when in verse 1, it's like he's addressing his disciples, it says, and he said unto his disciples, but it it actually, uh, the scribes and Pharisees are there too. If you go back to Actually, chapter 14, the very first verse says, And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. And so that's the setting. And the Pharisees are there as well, and they're trying to trick him. But 
He's in, in this account, he addresses his disciples, but it's more than just his disciples present there. In the first verse, it says, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And so apparently somebody uh, tattled on this guy. Somehow the, the word came to, uh, to this rich man that you have a steward that is not being faithful. He's wasting your goods. He's wasting your money. Something really bad is happening here, or he's stealing from you. It doesn't really go into de- great details what is happening. But this rich man is made aware of it. And he says, well, I got to deal with this. And so the second verse says, he, he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. I think you call this a pink slipper. He's getting fired. He's, he's out of a job. But the rich man does something very interesting here. Sometimes today you read, and especially in the political world, if somebody loses their job, they are escorted out of their office and their keys taken from them and that's they're done right on the spot. There's no going back to retrieve anything. But this steward is, giving, is given some additional a time to apparently wrap things up or what have you. He's not walked out of his office, but he's told that you are lo- in the process here of, of losing your job. And so then this steward, and, and he doesn't apparently not doesn't deny uh, that he was not being faithful to the finances of his of this rich man doesn't tell us that he made any denials or that he that he wasn't guilty or anything like that but you come to verse 3 and it says that he sat down and he starts thinking he starts scheming and i think of all these guys you know a lot of these scams and what have you do you know they're actually not even in america a lot of them are in back rooms of other countries and and it's just amazing uh, they sit down and they scheme and try and think of, of new things to do and how we can possibly rip people off. And that's exactly what this guy is doing here, this, this uh, steward. He's like, what am I going to do? I am in a tough spot. I don't want to dig. I'm too proud to beg. I don't want to do that. What am I going to do? I'm in a really tough spot. And so he's like, you know what? He comes up with this plan. And he's like, yep, this will work. And so he goes out to the creditors of, of this uh, rich man and he starts saying, okay, so uh, put it in today's language. So you have a, a $200,000 mortgage. How about, uh, and you owe it to, to my boss, how about today we, you write me out a check for 100000 and we'll call it, call it complete, all paid off, just for you know 50 cents on the dollar. And the guy's like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. And so he does it. And another guy, uh, same deal, uh, paid 60% to, to get rid of his loan. And, and Jesus gives these two examples here. I, I suppose there could have been many more. I don't know. But this guy goes out and he, he implements this. And he's, he's doing it all. His, his whole plan is that after I'm out of my job, these people will receive me into their homes They'll give me a meal. They'll give me a place to sleep if I need a place to sleep. They're going to take care of me because I took care of them. I don't know. if I assume that they were probably aware of, of what was going on and they were in cahoots with him and in doing this. I'm not sure, but Jesus doesn't give all those details. But anyways, he implements his plan and he does it. And he calls these different people in and he writes 
writes off their debt for a fraction of what they owed. And then we come down to to verse 8, and we have uh, the rich man discovering what had happened. And he says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Now, this is not Jesus commending him. This is the rich man commending this unjust steward. And he's saying, you're really smart. I, you know, I thought I'm the, I thought I'm a real crook, but I would have never even thought of this. You thought of something that I never thought of. And you're, you're pretty brilliant in what you did here. And he, he commends him for it. What's he doing? He's, what's this unjust steward doing? He's looking out for himself. That's his whole game plan, looking out for himself, looking out for his future. He had no sorrow. He had no remorse. He seemingly had no shame. And he just, uh, he was already unfaithful to his boss. And he's like, well, I'm going to even be more unfaithful, but I'm going to be providing for myself. And that's what he does. He has this elaborate plan that he hatched and he implements the plan and he carries it out. And his boss, his boss discovers the plan, and he says, well, you're brilliant. How brilliant. Never imagined doing something like this myself. He was very, very shrewd in providing for his short future, exactly like the scammers of today, looking out for themselves, but it's only for such a short time. It's only for their time here on on earth. You look at uh, verse 8, and it says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. And so he was like, wow, I'm amazed. But then we get into the last part of the verse. Now this switches. This is no longer this rich man talking, but this is the words, but this is Jesus giving his thoughts. And Jesus says, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. What does Jesus mean by that? What does he mean? Jesus tells this account, tells this story, and then he follows, he, after he's done with the story, he follows up and says, for the children of this world, speaking of this unjust steward, this scammer who just did, carried out this elaborate scheme, rips off his, the rich man and makes provisions for his future. And Jesus says, for the children of this world are in their generation. The word generation there is an important word because it's just for such a short time, just for life here. This, this does, doesn't carry into eternity. This is just for this short time. He says, for they are wiser than the children of light. And the children of light are, are you and I, those of us who have, who have given our lives to, to serve the Lord Jesus and have, have experienced the new birth. And Jesus says, you know, this, these scammers are wiser than, than you guys. And I don't know about you, but that, that's kind of, I read this verse and I think about this and I meditate on it and it's like, ouch, that hurts. That just doesn't feel very good. Jesus what are, what are you saying? And what Jesus, I believe what Jesus is, is bringing to light here is that 
these scammers are, they're so diligent. They come up with all these new schemes all the time. There's, it seems like every few weeks or months, there's something new. Well, I've never seen this one before. And they are constantly uh, trying to figure out how to provide for their future in a very evil, wicked way. And Jesus says, wow, you know, in their generation, they're wiser than you guys, children of light. That's you and I. And I believe what Jesus is pointing out that they're more diligent than we are in providing for our future. And our future is an eternal future. We have everlasting life. Uh, abiding in us. Matthew 6, 19, uh, Sermon on the Mount, very familiar verses. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And so that's our opportunity as children of light. That is our opportunity to lay up treasure in heaven. And Jesus, from his perspective, he's, he's, watching, uh, he's, he's watching this unjust steward and he's watching the children of light and he's saying, wow, they have something to teach you guys. They're more diligent than you are. And he, he gives this as a, it's not like as a, as a question, he gives it as a fact when you read it. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And when I, when I look at that verse, it's, it's humbling to stop and to consider that our Lord points this out to us and needs to point this out to us that they're more diligent in their schemes and their scams than we are in providing for our future. And one of, the, one of the things that I've, I've committed to, to myself is that when, when people try to scam me, when I get these emails, when I get these phone calls, when I get these, and I, I, I want to be impressed with their diligence and then ask myself, am I that diligent in laying up treasures for myself in heaven where, where, where nothing can touch it? You know, the truth is, we get so caught up in living and, and in life that we can get distracted from what's really important. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here. He says, they're providing for their future. It's short and it's not good, but they're providing for the time they have here on earth and they're, and they're so diligent about it. Why, they put you guys to shame. And so just something to, next time you get scammed, just stop or somebody tries to scam, you stop and think, Am I that diligent in laying up for, for my future in, in heaven? Then we come to another very difficult verse, in verse 9. Verse 9 says, And I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. And I read various commentaries on this verse and, and thought about it at length myself. And just to, to put it into my, what's Jesus saying here? What does he mean? 
it seems like he kind of switches gears and he says, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail or that when you die, when you're not here anymore, that they may receive you into everlasting habitations. And I think the best interpretation is Jesus is saying here, you know, we can't, we can't live without money. We can't, uh, we may, we may in, have debt. We may have, uh, we have to have things. We have possessions. But Jesus is saying, that's, that's to be expected, but use them for the benefit of building God's kingdom. Use them for the benefit of sharing the gospel so that others might be born into the kingdom, that when you enter the kingdom, there might be people there to greet you that you shared the gospel with. That is what's really important, and that's what Jesus is, is encouraging us to do. Use our health, use our wealth, our talents, our influence to, Im- to impact others' uh, eternity. There's some very familiar uh, other... Let's flip a few pages in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says something very similar to this. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 35, Jesus says to his disciples, And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said, nothing. We, didn't, we weren't lacking anything. And that's how Jesus sent his disciples out. But then we come to the next verse, and he says, Then he said unto them, but now, or something's changing, he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. And a lot of people struggle with this verse too. What does he mean? Uh, Especially about the sword. Buy a sword? Well, we can't be sure, but we know that Jesus taught non-resistance. We know that uh, he rebuked Peter for cutting off the ear of the high servant and like, don't do that, Put and he heals the ear. We know that Jesus is not promoting violence or that we protect ourselves. Was it to protect themselves against wild beasts? Not sure exactly what, what Jesus is teaching here, but the teaching is, is the very same as back in Luke 16. It's like, uh, you're going to need money. You're going to need these things, but use them to further the kingdom. Back to Luke chapter 16 and the last few verses that we use there. Luke chapter 16 and verses 10 through 13. Jesus talks about money. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give unto you that which is your own? And then verse 13 is the clincher. He says, no servant can serve two masters, for either either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So there, there is no question Uh, The world is full of spammers and scammers and what have you, and they are serving mammon. 
their goal is to in, increase their their resources and to to uh, take money from people that they legitimately should not have and, and do it in a very unethical way. And that is that is their goal. That's that's who they are. They love money, and that's and they are putting it to putting all their the integrity that they have uh, or the all the schemes that they come up with. They are doing everything they can do to serve money. And Jesus here teaches us that we cannot serve God and mammon. If we're serving God, we cannot serve money. And so money mean is in in many ways is meaningless to us compared to the people that love it and are serving it and are doing their utmost to get more of it. Because you and I realize that when we close our eyes in death, money means absolutely nothing. Does it matter if we have 50 million or if we have one dollar or if we're a dollar in a debt? Doesn't really matter. It's meaningless. And so Jesus is making the point we cannot serve. We're going to serve God. We can't serve mammon. And if a person loves mammon and is serving, serving mammon, that's who they are, and it's impossible that they love God. So there is, uh, there is this great divide between scammers and spammers and the children of light. So let's be aware of that. Let's understand that. And it's the world in which we live, and my encouragement to all of us this morning is that when we're confronted with it, and I know we are, we all are, when we're confronted with it, let's, let's, let's use it as a positive thing and let's stop and think, wow, that's pretty amazing that they thought of that or that they think uh, that they're trying to pull this off and, uh, and then stop and ask ourselves, am I being that diligent? This took a lot of time for them to come up with that. Am I taking a lot of time to promote the gospel Am I taking a, am I doing same am I doing due diligence in in my kingdom and in promoting and serving God as what these people are doing and take a lesson from them Satan's subtle scam is alive and well today look out for yourself defy authority put yourself ahead of God and others and so many people are living that life today and they are going to have such a ripped off ending. They are going to be so disappointed in the end. We as children of light, we know the truth and it's important that we, that we live the truth and that we are diligent in promoting God's kingdom and laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Do you know that if you... Uh, I've read already, if, if, you do, if you do a survey, you just go out into any town and, and start doing a survey and you ask people, I can grant you one wish. What, what, would it, what do you want? Most people would say, I want to hit the lottery. I want the lottery. I want to hit the lottery. I want to be rich. It's what people, it's, 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 uh, it's what people want and desire to, to, to a great degree. And the truth is that that is so opposite of loving God. So opposite of loving God. And so let's be careful that we truly love God and are serving him. And let's be aware of Satan's subtle schemes. He has so many of them. But I really believe his, his basic scheme is 
Defy authority and put yourself first. Put yourself first. Look out for yourself. And that is unchristlike. It goes against the teachings of the scripture. Let's be, be aware of that. And let's be very careful of all the scammers out there, but let's not get disheartened. Let's use it as a positive thing. And when it happens, say, wow, that's pretty amazing that they would go to all that effort to do that. How about myself? What am I doing to promote God's kingdom? Am I even measuring up? Do I even come close? Jesus himself said that the children of light aren't even that amazing. And so let's, uh, let's be faithful in our service to the Lord. Let's stand for a closing prayer and then, Demetrius, if you could have a verse of song. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence with us today. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, and I thank you for Luke chapter 16 and, and the teaching there. Lord, let's lay that to heart. and Let's uh, not be uh, discouraged by this evil and corrupt world that we live in, and we see all these things going on around us, and sometimes it's, we find ourselves almost falling for things and sometimes maybe falling for things. Lord, help us to... Pray for people that love money and are pursuing accumulation of, of wealth and simply looking out for themselves, looking out for their short futures. Let's feel sorry for them, knowing that their end is nothing to be desired. And at the same time, help us to use it uh, to challenge ourselves and our faithfulness and how faithful we are in promoting your kingdom. I thank you for meeting with us here today and I ask that you would uh, dismiss us with your blessing. Help us to be a blessing to those that we come into contact this week. We love you and thank you, most of all, for Jesus who died and gave his life so that we could have and experience eternal life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.